Praise God. Well, this morning, we are, as we kick off our Missions Ephesus Month, I wanted to talk about uh, missions, of course, and, and just the, the beauty of what missions is all about and what, what the whole purpose of missions is all about, and maybe in a little bit of a different way than maybe you've heard or you're used to. And I'll be using several scriptures and going through and, and, and just even very briefly going back to some history back in, in, in the Old Testament, connected, because missions goes back to the Old Testament, you know. And a couple weeks ago, we were in Isaiah chapter 6, and we saw that Isaiah the prophet had this amazing, amazing interaction, this vision. He saw, he saw God for himself. He saw him like he never saw him in the beauty, in the power, and the majesty of his holiness. And he came to that realization that God is holy, that he is not and that his view of God was holy. Remember, H-O-L-E-Y, it was full of holes because he thought he was self-righteous or he was okay. And it, was all, it all just went away. And he said, woe is me, I'm, un, I'm, a man, I'm undone, I'm unraveling because God is holy and I'm really not. And then when the, when, when the seraphim touched his lips, we saw that he cleansed his lips and he was consecrated, he was purified and he was set apart. He, had a, he was commissioned. There was a question that was asked and we find it in verse 8. And in verse 8 there it says in chapter 6 of Isaiah, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go. Go and tell this people. And I'm not going to focus on what he says there, but I'm just going to start and focus on that word, go. And he does say, and it's amazing, he had a word, and God gave him a word, and he had a message to send to his people. And even though God basically said later on in that chapter, you need to go and give that message, no one's going to listen to you, no one's going to hear you, but you've got to preach that message. Kind of sounds like the gospel today, doesn't it? There's a lot of that going on now. Nobody, nobody wants to hear, but we, we are commissioned. We are charged with that message, as we'll see in just a minute. But it all started with Isaiah having this realization of who God was, who he wasn't, or who he was in, in the presence of God. And then when God touched him and purified him, he then consecrates him or sets him apart. And it's then that he makes the call and says, who's going to go for us? Who will go? And immediately Isaiah says, I'll go. Because nothing mattered at that point. Think about it. If you just met God like that, and if we would have those ongoing, and if we, even if it's periodic, but if we had those, I'll call them revelations, or those visions, or those interactions with God, in our face before God, in the Word, and by the Spirit in prayer, and we saw God for who He was, we would be willing and able, when we realize who we're, commissioned by, called by, that we would do anything he wants us to. And we sing songs like that, and then we got to do a check, because we're like, well, if. I'll do it if. We'll sing it, but then we walk away, and we're like, but if, or only when. And we start laying all these conditions and qualifying how, how, how committed we are to doing anything God wants us to do. And Isaiah says, I'm here, send me. Send me. What do you want me to do? What am I to say? Where am I to go? I'm going. I'm going to do it. And the Bible gives us the, 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 same, the same mandate, if you will, for missions to go, to be sent, and to deliver a message to this world. Isaiah, historically in this concept, con, uh, context, he had a specific message for God's people for a specific time. 
It doesn't mean we can't relate to it, but it was a specific message for a specific time. And one of the things we have to be careful about is to remember that the Old Testament prophets, they had specific prophecies for a specific people for a specific time. In 95% of the cases, some were future, for sure. But 95% of the time, those prophecies were a specific person. Again, that is not to say there aren't truths we learn and they don't apply to our lives. Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like our sinfulness and how being called back to that has to always be done. And we should do that with each other. God's word does that, right? Amen. Praise God. That was a big message of the prophets. But we have to remember that. But there is something that is similar in this call, even with the prophets and even earlier on, that God's people had that connects to us and connects to what Jesus told us, his church, to do today, now, and tomorrow, and always, and that is to go. To go and to deliver a message and to deliver the, the, and to do the work that he wants us to do and he's commissioned us to do. So there's four things I want to share with you because the Bible gives us the mandate for missions. There is a mandate in the Bible for missions or we can call it world evangelization. We can call it to, to, to make disciples of all people. But it all starts with going out and there's a mandate to go. That two-letter word, go, it's so powerful and it's, and it's instructive and it's, it, it calls us to action every time it's used. I'm thinking of the many times the word go is used. And I have in my mind, I'm not going to show them all, but I'm, things are going through my mind right now as I'm speaking. And I'm thinking even of the miracle that Jesus performed, right? And he, and he heals the woman and he, says, and he says, go and sin no more. Go. Right? Don't stay here. Yes, you could be here at my feet. That's great. And you could just want to hang out with me all the time. I know I did a miracle in your life. But go and sin no more. Go. You, you, you go out and you're telling others what happened. And in the process, live in a way that pleases me and glorifies me. Don't sin. Don't sin anymore. And, and, and that's an amazing, amazing thing. Go. The action word that is there. Go. There was a point in history. Well, it's before history, actually. In, in, the, in, the, in the heavens, in eternity past, there was a time between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit when God said, Jesus, you got to go. You're going to go. And there was an agreement, if I could put it that way. There was a submission to the Father and the Godhead between this perfect harmony and submission to one another where the Son, of, who is God, He said, I'm going to go. I am going to go and complete the mission that you have called me to. What was the first thing that Jesus did? When He started His ministry, what did He do? What's the first thing He did? He preached about the kingdom. He taught about the kingdom of God. He was preaching. He was sharing, if you will, and it's very fundamental and primary, uh, 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 actually fundamental and early stages, the gospel, the basis for the gospel. And he was going to build on that with the apostles later on, right, in his first church. But he was sent to go preach and to preach to the lost sheep of Israel, he even said. That was his primary reason for coming and then ultimately the whole mission, the objective behind the reason was that I would die so there could be a harvest and that there could be a people called, that are called gods. They are his own, they are his children, and that they too can be sent just as I have been sent. In fact, that's pretty much what he told his disciples. I'm sending you as I have been sent. 
He said that in the Gospels. The mission. What is the mission? It is that thing. It's the business with which commissioned Christians are charged. Not to do the alliteration thing. It's not usually, I mean, I do that, but it's the commission with which Christians are charged. What is that commission? Wendy mentioned it in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 to 20, where Jesus said, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go. Because all authority is given to me, go and make disciples. Therefore, go. Because of my authority behind the commission and because my presence will always be with you. That's how he caps off at the back end of this commission. I'm with you always. You're not alone, and you've got others, other team members, if you will. I'm, you're not alone. I am with you. And make disciples. I'm not going to spend much time on this, but make disciples, not just converts. Make disciples. There's a big difference. Make disciples, not just converts. There are many people who are converted, but they're not disciples. In the end, they end up being, I don't know what they are. They don't know what they are in the end, as far as their faith journey. Because they're not disciples sitting at the feet of Jesus and then obeying and having been taught and obeying everything that has been commanded to the disciples by Jesus. And now we have right here, Right? So this mission is found in all of Bible revelation, not just Jesus' words in Matthew 28. It's actually found in all of biblical revelation. This idea of going out on God's behalf and declaring His glory, His goodness, and the, the salvation that is found only in Him. Think about Abraham in the Old Testament. God made a promise to him in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1-4, to to bless him, and not only him, did you know that? And not only him, but to bless all those through his prosperity, to bless all the families of the earth. Can you imagine that? I mean, no kids with Sarah. And God makes this promise, he covenants, that I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to bless all the nations, all the people of the world through your prosperities, all the families of the earth. Everyone is going to be blessed because of you, your obedience, and because I've chosen you to be uh, my light, my herald, ultimately, where everything starts. See, Jesus is a descendant of Abraham, as well as the people of Christ. We are descendants of Abraham by our faith and that lineage of faith spiritually. We're spiritual children to Abraham and we are to be a blessing to those around us. And that blessing from way back in Abraham that comes through Christ ultimately at the cross and then now to us is to continue to keep going out even through our posterity. That we display and we share and we call all people to God's glory and salvation. Jesus, as I mentioned earlier, he ministered to the lost sheep of Israel. 
But he prophesied, Jesus himself prophesied, that many would come from the four corners of the earth to sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And that's in Matthew chapter 8 and in Luke 13. You can find Jesus saying that. And the context there is encouraging and exciting, but it's also terrifying if you're not really serving Christ the way he wants you to. But he says, I'm going to call everyone from the four corners of the earth. And then he commands to make disciples of all nations after his resurrection to the disciples. Who would be the apostles? And the apostles and the first church, they obeyed and they submitted and they followed through on this commission that they were charged with to do this mission of sharing the gospel. They were, they are, we are actually, even now, we are representatives and ambassadors of Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Another translation says, be reconciled unto God. We are Christ's ambassadors. We're speaking for Him. And we should speak accurately, of course, but we always speak of the one to whom everyone should be pointed to, and that is Jesus Christ, God's only Son, who came to this earth. Matthew 24, 14. Jesus also said something about this mission. And He extends it out toward the end times. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24, and verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. There's work to do per Christ's mandate. There's work to do. There's work to do. Wherever you are, whether you stay local when you're here, whether you go to another state for work, whether you travel, wherever it is, or whether God calls you to go somewhere, another country, whatever it is, there is work to do. We are to go. And the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in the whole world, and then the end will come. We're part of that process. We do Christ's work. People have, 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 have said, well, if we just evangelize and if we preach the gospel, we'll speed up his return. Maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. But we got to do our job. We have a commission. We have have to be faithful in carrying out that mandate that we've been given. There is a mandate for missions, and it starts from Abraham and extends all the way to Jesus' commission to the disciples, to us as well, through disciples to us. Secondly, here's the message of the mission that we have. Here's the message behind. Here's the message that we carry in the message in the mission of conveying what God wants us to convey to this lost and broken world that is separated from God. It's actually very, very simple. And we could, I could probably go through even most of the, the students here and they could tell me what that is. And it's simply the gospel. And the gospel is, we learned this in Awana the other day. What is the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ, right? It's, and it's it really, this gospel, this mission is to evangelize, to spread the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. And as the reigning Lord, he now offers the forgiveness of sins and the liberating, I love that, that word, the liberating gift of the Spirit to all who repent and believe. 
That's the gospel. That's all available for us. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in Romans chapter 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the gospel. Here's some good news. Jesus died for you. Jesus came. He was sent because the world was broken and your life is broken and it's shattered and, it, and you're full of sin and that sin separates you from God and there's no hope from the future. But the good news is that Jesus came and now that He rose again, He can set you free and you can serve Him and live a life of abundance, full of peace, not perfection, not, not, not doesn't mean there's no bumps in the road, but that you're whole inside. You're made reconciled to God. There's forgiveness and that you are walking in that abundant life. It's there for you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the message of the mission. It's a simple gospel. Don't complicate it. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. That's the gospel. That people would be discipled and grow in that knowledge of who Jesus is who died for them and they can also, they themselves as disciples, be those who make other disciples. So how is this gospel how is this gospel conveyed? What is the mode, if you will, of evangelism? How, how is it spread out? How does, how, does it, how does it go out into this world? See, God could glorify himself, right? By zapping or blinding people with a light so that they are converted. That did happen in the scripture, by the way, right? But, 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 the message is to be shared by believers with others. That's how the gospel goes out. Now, we could argue, or I say argue, we can discuss, we can debate, we can have discussions about how that works and, and, and what means you use that. And you, you do a post online or you send emails and you do videos and whatever you do, that's fine. You can, that, that, is, that is a way the gospel can go out, for sure. And it does go out that way, by the way. Praise God. Technology can be used as a tool for that. But the primary means and methods by which the gospel is conveyed is just like this. It's God's primary way. It's God's primary way. That doesn't mean you can't make a phone call, but face to face. You're seeing someone looking at them in the eye, and you're telling them about Jesus, you're telling them about the good news, when the opportunity is there and comes up, and you share the gospel, and we go, we go, and we look for the opportunity to do that when it's there. See, there is so much sensibility in God's plan that we would do this on a one-on-one -on -one basis, word of mouth, face to face with our words, with our mouth, in person. God's plan is so practical, my friends. It really is. And it's down to earth, quite literally. It's down to earth. Jesus came. And, it's, and, and, and he lives in us. And we're here as his ambassadors. And we have this, this mission, this commission that we've been given. And Romans chapter 10, if I go back to Romans 10, and I'll read you verses 13 and 15. The verses before but Paul said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen to what he says. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? unless someone tells them. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? I almost feel like this last, this fourth question, how will they hear 
about him, I'm sorry, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent is almost a rhetorical question because Jesus has already sent his people to tell. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Maybe I'm misunderstanding scripture. Maybe I'm, I don't understand, but it's very plain and clear, and it should be a resounding, yes, we're on this team and we have a mission. And I'm talking to myself because we lose sight of that so often. We are the way. It's practical, it's down to earth, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Well, let's see. God told Abraham that he would display his glory to all the nations, ultimately. God tells his disciples to go. And to share. And he tells us as his ambassadors by this transference, if you will, as future disciples from the disciples and apostles that come from the first church in, in, the, in the early century, the first century. And here we are, we have the same mandates and we need to go. That is what the scriptures mean, Paul says, when they say, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel good news. Is it good news that you're bringing to people? What are you bringing? Are your feet beautiful or are they muddy and yucky because you've been wallowing in all kinds of stuff that is contrary to Scripture and actually in your own mind because of your own understanding and you insert or add or take away from the Gospel, you've made it yucky. Or maybe you've made it palatable, but it has no power. God gave His own Son. I'm telling you what we know because we're going to have communion in a minute. Jesus Christ to suffer like we suffer, to be tempted like we're tempted, to live a perfect life, to be crucified and to be raised again, to rule forever. And he's, he's our captain. He's our team leader. He's the head of the church. And he did this great thing so that we can have a relationship with him. And there's this huge dilemma, though. Only those who believe can have this relationship. If nobody ever believed in Jesus because of what God did, it would have been for nothing. Christ would have died in vain. And of course, as this verse makes very clear, the only way that people can believe that God did this for them is if they know about it. Like, really know about it. Now, since God can do anything, He could have chosen any way He wanted to let people know about Jesus. Think about it. He could have written in the sky, literally written in the sky if He wanted to, and just say, believe on Jesus. Or else. I don't know. I mean, he, did, I, he could have done a million. He could have, all, he could have written in different letters, colors, styles, whatever. Even before airplanes were around to, to you know, write words in the sky like we see sometimes. He could have carved good new, good, the good news, the gospel, on the sides of cliffs and mountains. He could have. So that everybody sees and wonders, how did in the world? But it was God who did that. It was there all along. And, it's, and God's talking. He could have done something like that. But, but he could have sent all his obedient angels. Just sent angels to tell everybody. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. And since God is so far more intelligent than we are, you know what? He could have come up with many other ways that I can't even think of to convey the good news and to tell people about Jesus. However, as you know, God chose only one means of spreading this good news. And that one way was that believers would tell others. He uses us. How humbling that he would use us wherever we are 
to share the love of Christ, the good news, the gospel, and the truth with others. And when you think about it, really, this method, this mode, makes the most sense. If you want to buy a new car, who would you rather hear from? The car salesman or someone who owns that car? Right? I know, I know the, whole, the whole car buying experience is completely different nowadays than when it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? It is. But, but you, 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 word of mouth. Somebody tells you that's a great model. Or you know what? That year, you talk to Wayne. And Wayne tells you, oh, I wouldn't buy a 2003 Honda because those are junk, man. You know, whatever. They have so many problems. You, you hear word of mouth or somebody keeps telling you, you know what? I have a Toyota, whatever. I have a this. It's a great car. I've had it for, I've never had problems. And it, it sticks, it sticks, and you, and you still see them driving it, and they're, and they're smiling when they're driving it, right? They're not like gritting their teeth, oh, I just sunk another $1,000 last week. You know, they're, they're, they keep telling you about how great their car is. Well, how often do you keep telling people about how great your Jesus is? Never. Sometimes. When the opportunity is there, yes, yes. But don't miss out or avoid or skip the opportunities either it's word of mouth it's just even with it's it's the best way with all of our great studies and advertising and marketing you get degrees in there's we we discover something that god knew all along all along from eternity past you know all along that the best kind of advertising and i don't mean to diminish the gospel to an advertisement but the best kind of advertising is word of mouth Plain and simple. And we have this sensibility of this plan because he uses us and it's just here and it's simple. But we have the supernatural power for evangelization. And where does this power come from? First of all, it comes from a spirit-empowered messenger. And that happens when I surrender and submit and I obey and God fills me and I'm empowered and he's given us this power to do that. It happens with a spirit-empowered messenger. 1 Corinthians 2.4, the Apostle Paul says, My message and my preaching to that church there when, the, when, he, when he brought the gospel to them were not with wise and persuasive words. He's not saying don't use wise and persuasive words. He's not saying that. He's just saying they weren't that. My message, it wasn't about that. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Listen, it's not you. It's God through you and in you. It's not you. Acts 1.8, Dave quoted it earlier. But Jesus said, before he ascended to heaven, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power for what? Power to accumulate wealth and power to live a fine life and power... That's fine, you can have all that. But he's given you power, and the context is, it's power to be a witness. A power to be a spirit-empowered messenger. A conveyor of the gospel, the good news. That's what this verse is all about. Boldness comes with the Holy Spirit's power. Acts 4, 29-31. Now, Lord... And these are the apostles praying when they got in trouble for preaching the gospel in chapter 4. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what happened? 
They spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. They spoke the word of God boldly, unashamedly, with confidence and with conviction. And they spoke it because they were filled with the power of the Spirit, not themselves. The second, the power for evangelization is not just in, in the Spirit-empowered messenger because the Spirit lives in him, but it's the gospel itself. The gospel itself is powerful. It stands on its own, and the words are powerful when we proclaim them and share them. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. The Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word. And there is power in the gospel itself. It transforms lives, completely upends them, and makes them new. That's the power of the gospel. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1. Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I came to preach the gospel. Yes, he baptized. But he, but he, didn't, that was, he came to preach the gospel. Let us, some of you remember um, John Stott. He was a great theologian and a writer with many books. Uh, mere Christi- I mean, basic uh, Christianity. He did a lot of great books. And this is what he said. And it, you know what? I'm reading out of conviction again, so I, I'm just, so forgive me. He said this, Let us not consume all our energies arguing about the Word of God. Let's start using it. And he says, it will prove its divine origin by its divine power. Let's let it loose in the world, he said. Preach the gospel. It is the power of salvation for those who believe. And lastly and quickly, well, maybe. I have to share with you. This is, this is my favorite part. I have to share with you that when we talk about, we talk about the mission itself, and that we've been commissioned by Jesus. We have this mandate for this mission. There's a mandate. There, there, there's, there's, we have this mode, right? And it's very simple. It's us. The means is that God uses us, and it's word of mouth. And it's a powerful thing that he uses. It's very practical, and thank God for that, right? And, and that simple message, that, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. We carry that. But there's something else we have to notice, that there's, there's this majesty that is involved with missions. There, there, I'll call it the majesty of missions, or that there's this glory that is in missions. And it's this, that God reveals His glory to all people so that He might receive glory from all creation. That's what God does this for. That's the purpose of the mission and the gospel altogether. Let me briefly illustrate by going back to the story of the Exodus from Egypt. I feel like I've been going back there quite frequently in my sermons. I don't know what that means, but... You remember the exodus with Egypt under Moses' leadership. I won't re- re- recite everything because you, we, we've heard that. But in Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 to 16, listen to these words. Listen to these words. And this is, this is Moses going to Pharaoh and saying, we got to get out of here. Because God told him to go talk to Pharaoh. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people... Wait, there's that word again. Wait a minute, we're talking about go. Go, go, go. There's that word again. Go. It's an action word. Let my people go. They were restricted. They were in bondage. But let my people go. And listen, so... We always forget the second part. So that they may worship me. Does that mean they weren't worshiping in Egypt? No, not the way that God, they were, but not the way that God. God had a plan, their own possession, that land. He had a covenant promise. He said, but so that they may worship me. Or he says this in verse 14, or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere when we talk about the gospel and the good news and the mission that you and I and we as Christians have. We're getting somewhere. We're going to see something here that's really, really important. For by now, in verse 15, I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose. That I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Proclaimed in all the earth. It isn't even about the salvation of the Hebrews and their deliverance. That's part of it. But they're delivered. And the whole purpose of this is that God is using this mob of slaves, if you will, for one reason. To make himself known. His glory that He's a holy God. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a, um, um, a missions theologist, if you want to call him. His name is Steve Hawthorne. And he wrote this. He said about this scripture, he said, God was singling Himself out. Listen to this. He was making an everlasting name for Himself at the Exodus. He wanted everyone in Egypt and beyond to know that there was absolutely no God like the living God. He wanted the world to watch this group of people marching in procession to worship Him. God established His reputation as one greater and absolutely different, truly holy, not just holier, than every other deity ever dreamed up by man. An exquisite, powerful, resplendent God. And the Exodus was to be a reference point for all subsequent revelation to the world of His character, His holiness, and His power. That's what missions and the mandate is all about about God's glory, that there is no other. And it's through Jesus we are redeemed, we are saved, and we are pulled out of the bondage of sin and slavery to Satan himself, but that we are brought and transferred into a kingdom of light and holiness and righteousness for the one reason, to make His glory known throughout the entire world, that all creation would bring glory to Him. Oh, it's amazing. God's, God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt was to show His glory and He proved His supremacy over all the other so-called gods of Egypt and even Satan himself. 
See, God wins and He gets the glory every time. Let my people go that they may worship me. Redemption isn't just about being spared the fire of hell. It's about glorifying God. See, this Bible, the Bible is the revelation about God, not just how people get saved and behaved. It's a revelation about God. Oh, He shows us who we are and how we need Him and His plan. I get all that. But this is about God. This is a revelation about God, and He gets all the glory, and we're, we're created by Him and for Him in everything that we do, and it's for His glory. Remember, the biblical mandate to share the message of the gospel of Christ's salvation has a very simple mode. It is through believers that the power of the gospel is displayed in order that our that hearts are changed and they're turned towards God so that His great name is praised. Throughout the Old Testament books, there are several occasions when God says, that, and even in Isaiah, that He has raised up His people, that they might point other nations, that they themselves would see the glory of God. They were to testify and to witness in their life and in their worship and in their proclamation that there is one true God and that He is to be revered and submitted to. Salvation has as its end the glory of God. Psalm 96. I'll close with this scripture, and we have the communion cups in front of you. We'll partake in just a moment. But before you grab those cups, listen to this psalm. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. In other words, don't stop. Declare His glory among the nations. These are the Psalms. These are God's people, the Hebrews, among the nations. They are to declare, proclaim. They're evangelizing by their godly worship, by their proper worship and proclamation of who God is. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Take that, false gods. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of the nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Tell all the trees of the forest, sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. It's all about the glory of God. So that we all might know and worship God, that's why we go. That's why we go. That's why we must go. That's why we must reevaluate 
if we've been spinning our wheels, like in that hamster's wheel, and there's so much action, but there's no moving forward. But there's so much things going on. Listen to me. And I am convinced, and I am, I, I am, I am convicted, and I am, I, have a, I am moving forward. Listen, there is so much sideways energy that we expend. All at the expense of the gospel. Time, energy, arguments, debates, whatever. And it's sideways energy. And it's been going on in church history for so long. And we're supposed to go. And we have all this sideways... And then there's splintering and schisms throughout history. And that's a terrible thing, actually, in many ways. And there's more splintering. Because there's sideways energies expended. Forward energy, motion, and momentum is what God wants. That's what he means by go. Don't expend sideways energy. It's frustrating. It's tiring. And all you do is spin your wheels in the mud and get nowhere in the end. Go with the gospel. Proclaim it. Share it. Tell it. See what God does. Let the gospel truth transform people's lives. And God's terms, in other words, by how the Spirit convicts people and changes them and transforms their lives. And let salvation come to them so that they too can bring glory to God and then themselves go. Communion cups are in front of you. You know, communion's an amazing thing. And it sums up what we're doing. And in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus gave, he gave the instructions at the last Passover and supper. If you would grab your cups, you can peel back the, the, the film on top for the, the bread. Matthew chapter 26. Jesus said, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread and, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And, then, and when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you, for many, for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Does anybody have need for a gluten-free wafer and, and, and cup? Everybody served who is, needs a gluten-free cup? Amen. Praise God. You know, meeting at the table with God's people to partake in this meal reminds us that God's glory came to us through the gospel. There was a point in time. And, and now, and now after, after eating and after partaking and, and being reminded that we've been brought to the table because of Jesus' work and that he went, that he said, I'll go. We can now too go and we can bring and invite others to the table ourselves, to Christ, to salvation through the gospel so that they also can join us and we can eat together and in the process proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and say, all glory to you, God, for doing that. What an awesome plan. Thank you so much. Amen? Amen. Let's eat of the bread together. Thank you, Lord, for coming for us. You were sent and you obeyed. Thank you so much, Lord. Let's drink the cup together. Lord, again, we are just so grateful for your sacrifice. Thank you for your amazing plan of redemption that you could be glorified. I pray that we would unabashedly, unashamedly, and confidently and with boldness carry this gospel and convey it. Not just carry it, Help us to convey it, Lord, that we might be found obedient 
to the mandate, the, the commission that we've been given, Lord. Thank you for setting us apart. Help us to continually abide in your presence so that in your holiness, not ours, we can be consecrated, commissioned, and then, Lord Jesus, we will see just an amazing harvest as nations from all over the world one day will gather around your throne and declare that all the glory is yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.